You're just not good enough, but do you know the will of God for your life? And do you hate the sin but love the sinner? Well, how about three parts of your singing voice? You know about what those are that you might be neglecting? And have you ever ridden the peppermint pony? Well, I've got all of that in The Truth in Words and Music podcast, episode 140. Hey there, Tony here. Good to be back with you again this week. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're doing just fine. I hope you're being blessed beyond what you're able to even imagine. And I hope you realize that uh, even if things are going good, you don't need to be forgetting where it all came from. And I hope that you also realize that uh, you're really not all that good. (laughs) How about that for a beginning of a podcast, huh? But, you know, I really want to get into that because it came up in a conversation that I had this week about uh, somebody thinking that, you know, hey, I can, I'm a good person. I can get to heaven, right? Well, when you realize you're not good enough to live forever, when you realize that, you can realize that uh, your life can change forever. It's tough sometimes to find out there's something you love and enjoy, but you're just not good enough to pursue it. Have you ever found yourself in that boat? I remember uh, multiple things like that for me. The, the first real letdown was when I wanted to be on the football team in high school. And family circumstances always kept me from being able to attend spring or fall training for sports, but during my freshman year, I just knew I could somehow find a way to make the team. It didn't, it didn't happen, and I was extremely disappointed. Time passed, and... I eventually thanked my lucky stars that I never made the team, but at the time, it was really hard to take. Do you have a story like that? I, I think most people probably do. And, you know, there's, there's times like that in your life where you just realize you're just not good enough. Well, there's a, another part of life you'll come to terms with one way or another that you'll discover once again you're just not good enough. But that discovery can have much more dramatic and dire consequences. It won't be simply a matter of disappointment. It'll be a matter of eternal torment versus eternal bliss. So let me get right into that. Like I was talking about with this conversation, some people think they can make it to heaven by being a a good person. And I always put that in quotes because you you hear people say that all the time. But here's the thing. God has the key to heaven, and it's in the hand of his son, Jesus. And God's standard for living eternally in heaven with Him is 100% perfection, 100% of the time. Well, can you say you've been that good? I can't. I'm not even close. I don't think I'm even in the top 80 percentile. You may be in the top 1 percentile, but you still miss perfection by a country mile. Only one person who ever lived on earth ever reached that unreachable mark of 100% perfection for 100% of his life. And that was, yep, you guessed it, Jesus. And since the key to heaven is in the hand of Jesus, it's important to know how to get him to hand you the key. You think he would? Well, he would. Now, the secret is, it's in your attitude. 
if you have an attitude of gratitude for what Jesus came to earth to do, and if you realize he came here to do it for you, you'll find that you're not good enough, and you don't have to be. You can be a child of the one true living God by trusting that his son took your eternal punishment. And that's it. Believe and trust. Will you do it today? I'm asking you, don't wait. Because one day you will see him. And you'll see him face to face. When we're born into this world, we're empty-handed. We can't speak and we can barely even see. As we grow, we see this life in which we landed is a thread of well-designed complexity. Each and every one of us had a beginning, and so very small a spark of life sufficed. Then we turned away from God and started sinning, and that put us face to face with Jesus Christ. Face to face with truth, face to face with life. Yeah, the way to paradise is face to face with the one who died and who lives inside Jesus Christ even loves us face to face. And when we leave this world, we're leaving empty-handed. We can go to that eternal perfect place. When we make the choice of life, we won't be stranded, and we'll get to see our Savior's loving face. That's some lyrics to, uh, I hope, what will be a a song called Face to Face. That uh, I just dropped that in on you there to share it with you. I have the workings of a tune in my head, but it's not a song yet. So maybe stay tuned. Maybe that'll be uh, sometime this year. I hope so. Uh, Have you ever tried to figure out the will of God for your life? I've heard that was another conversation that came up in the past seven to ten days. Uh, I heard a guy say that you really have to You really have to spend a lot of time. You really need to dig in and figure out what God's will is for your life. He said, uh, it's it's very, very difficult, but it's worth it. It's hard, but it's worth it. And he went on about that. And I thought to myself, I don't think that's true. I mean, I've heard several Christians on the radio and in person, like I said, saying you need to seek the will of God for your life. And and some have said, you know, things like it, it's not always easy, and some have said it's not, but it is, it's really important. Or they say, pray and ask God to show you his will for your life. And on the surface, there appears to be nothing wrong with this advice, but I'd like to dig in a little deeper and see, uh, see that we don't have to dig so deep, actually. First off, let me say I'd never recommend not praying. Of course you should pray. You must pray. But your prayers should be more about thanksgiving and supplication, not always asking for things. It's good to ask your Heavenly Father for wisdom and discernment, and it's it's even okay to ask Him for the intangible things like more love in your life or more fruit of the Spirit or even a calm heart. However, you don't need to ask Him for His will for your life. (laughs) You know why? He's already told you. God wants to set you apart from this world. His word says simply, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. Wow. That's pretty simple. That's actually not complicated at all. It says it right out, for this is the will of God. Hmm, your sanctification. Two words. Your sanctification, simple. 
to the point, no long-winded, expansive, voluminous explanation, and only one mildly difficult word, sanctification. Well, what does that mean? Like I said, to set you apart. Apart from what? All the dirty darkness so much of the world seems to prefer. God doesn't want you to be weighed down, dragged down, or pulled down into that darkness. He wants you to stand up, reach up, and look up to Him. Doing so sets you apart. It sanctifies you. The dictionary defines sanctify like this. Set apart as or declared holy. Hmm. When you ask Jesus into your heart, God declares you holy. Wow. How cool is that? And that, in a nutshell, is the will of God for your life, to declare you holy. And when you're holy, you will live forever in a place so glorious your imagination can't even conjure it up. All the day-to-day tasks, your job or your career, or whether you should buy the green shirt or the red one or where you'll go for dinner, these are all decisions you're free to make for yourself. God doesn't need or want to micromanage your life. That isn't His will. He certainly wants you to lean on His understanding, not your own, and that's because His wisdom is infinitely deeper and higher than yours or mine. But He doesn't make your daily decisions for you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. God designed you with your own will, your own brain, and your own abilities. He delights in seeing what ways you'll use them to declare Him to the world. He wants to see what you're going to do. So, what ways are you declaring the good news of Jesus to the world? Use the skills or talents you have and tell somebody about Him today, or this week, or this month, and don't be afraid. Remember, the will of God for your life is sanctification. Since He sets you apart and declares you holy, I guarantee you can do it. And when you send His word out, it won't return void. He says that in His word. And for what it's worth, I'm pulling for you. I know you can do it. Will you? No time like the present to get started. Here's another expression that maybe you've heard many times, and I want you to kind of mull this over. You know, maybe you've heard this. Maybe you believe this too. I hope not. You heard this, hate the sin, love the sinner. Let me say something outright. God doesn't do that. So how can you? How many times have you heard that, that you should hate the sin and love the sinner? And how many times have you asked God to help you do it? Hmm. I'm here today to tell you it's physically impossible to hate sin apart from where it resides in the sinner. Because sin doesn't exist apart from your body, and because sin isn't what God is sending to hell. Your goal shouldn't be to separate sin from the sinner. It should be to get a better focus on sin using God's word and wisdom, and you should ask God to help you judge rightly. Ask Him to help you see more clearly the sin in your own life and how you can help others with theirs. If you're going to hate the sin, then love the sinner and tell him he needs Jesus. You can't do that without first making a judgment call. Sorry, but you're going to have to judge. But here's some help, okay? My recommendation to you, if you're a Christian, is to dig in more deeply to Paul's writings. This is good advice for an unbeliever too, but start with Paul's writings to the Galatians. By most accounts, that's the first epistle he wrote. But start there. 
and I, and you'll see why. And I'll I'll be talking about that in uh, other episodes, and I think I have actually talked about it in, in some past. You can, then you can move on to Ephesians and the Corinthians and Colossians, and and as you read his words, ask yourself if you're like one of those Galatians or Ephesians, Corinthians or Colossians. Do you find yourself in their troubled shoes? Are you walking and talking Christianity without realizing what it truly means? Do you parrot non-biblical cliches like hate the sin, love the sinner, or cleanliness is next to godliness, or God is all about forgiveness, or who am I to judge? If you said those, you've heard those, surely you've heard all that. I'm asking you, don't use those phrases anymore. Read Paul's writings and see if you find him saying any of those things. You won't. Instead, you'll discover a man who fell deeply in love with the love, forgiveness, power, and judgment of Christ. Yes, forgiveness, power, and judgment of Christ. You'll discover words inspired by God telling you to judge. He says, Paul writes, the saints will judge the world. It's in there. I promise. And he asks, if you're unworthy to judge even the smallest matters, Paul asks you that. When you read that passage, you'll discover how important it is to be able to judge rightly and wisely. And here's the kicker for why you should, you should uh, stay away from saying, hate the sin and love the sinner, because not even God does that. He won't be sending sin to hell. He'll be sending people. You may have heard God is love. That's true. He loves with a love we can't even fully comprehend. But have you ever heard God also hates? Here are seven things God hates. And I'm not making this up. This is in the Bible. It's in Proverbs. Look it up. Six things he hates. Yes, seven are an abomination, it says. And I'm going to list them out. One, a proud look. Two, a lying tongue. Three, hands that shed innocent blood. Four, a heart that devises wicked plans. Five, feet that are swift in running to evil. Six, a false witness who speaks lies. Since seven, and one who sows discord among brethren. Now, I'd like you to think over what I just said. If you have to, stop and rewind this, uh, push it back and listen to it again. I'd like you to pay special attention to what each of those things has in common. Can you tell what it is? They're all physical. A look is on a face, physical. Tongue, physical. Hands, physical. Heart, physical. Feet, physical. And the last two are the whole person. Somebody who speaks lies or somebody who mumbles and grumbles. That's a person. It's not a force, an unseen force. God doesn't merely hate the intangible, unseen force of sin. He knows it couldn't exist apart from human flesh. So he lists what he hates, and they're all physical. God loves at the same time. He loves you enough to make a way out of your sin forever. But he won't force you to choose that way. And that way is Jesus. He won't force you to choose Jesus and his love. And his love for you, if you choose it, will lift you into eternal life. But he hates you if you choose self-love over his love. That sounds harsh. People don't want to say that. But God himself said it. You remember the, the, the whole Bible is God-breathed. 
It's God-inspired. So he says that he hates these things. But he's made a place for you to spend eternity away from him and all of us who love him. So if you're going to love self, there's a place where you can go. If you don't want anything to do with God, he's made a place for you. It's your choice. Choose now and don't just hate the sin and love the sinner. Learn to love and hate with God's wisdom and discernment leading the way. Now, I'm not emphasizing hate because I think that's a good thing. I'm saying it's a necessary thing. But I would emphasize that love is even more necessary. So if you love someone, you can't just hate their sin. Okay? God doesn't do it. You don't need to do it either. Now, I'm going to really switch the focus here. (laughs) That was deep. That was serious. The next part of this is something I don't often do, but you may, well, maybe you don't know this if you haven't been listening to me or paying much attention to the Truth and Words and Music podcast or Tony Funderburk, but I spent, um, well, 25 years as a professional musician, and I made my living that way. So I'm a singer, and I wrote... um, Well, I guess you could say some advice. I was talking about paying attention to three parts of your singing voice that you might be neglecting. If you're a singer, this is going to be some um, coaching for you. And I started out by asking, do you just love to sing? And And I mean, is singing the first thing on your mind in the morning and the last thing at night? If you can answer yes to those questions, you might be what's known as Get a little Star Wars theme music here, maestro. You might be known as a singer. Now, the symptoms may include rocking your head to a favorite song as you sing along while driving down the road. You find yourself doing that. Or uh, maybe an unbalanced addiction to karaoke parties. (laughs) Have you uh, included yourself in that? Or maybe you have a tendency to sing along with songs you don't even know just because you can. Well, let me encourage you to never stop singing. And I'd also like you to be aware of three vital parts of your singing voice you might be neglecting. And um, if you're aware of this, you'd never have to stop singing. Hmm, pretty cool, huh? So I want you to imagine yourself singing five years from now. Can you see it? Good. Now, imagine yourself singing 10 years from now, and 20 years, and maybe even 30 or 40 years from now. So don't think about how old you'll be. Think about singing. Can you see yourself with gray hair singing like you did when you were young? Think it's impossible? Well, it's not. And I'll show you how and why, okay? Stick with me. I'm going to list three parts of your voice in reverse order of importance, and I'm doing it that way to build you up. It's like the the top ten countdown on David, David Letterman's late night show. Remember that? Okay, let's get started. Number three, as an essential part of your voice not to neglect. What do you think it is? Food. Ah, You thought thought I was going to say something like the diaphragm or, um, you know, exercising your larynx or something like that, right? Well, food is a vital part of your voice. What you're feeding your body is also what you're feeding your voice. And it's extremely important to be aware of if you want to sing as long as you can in your life. And I know you've heard and seen how some rock stars seem to 
go on and on in their careers even though they guzzle alcohol and do drugs and party all night. But for every one of those stories, you can find 10 more who burn out, or worse, long before middle age. They didn't take care of their health, they wasted their talents, and I don't want you to be one of those. If you're a young singer, food is a key, key ingredient. Get plenty of fruits and veggies in your diet. Look for dark colors and go organic as much as you can. If you like meat, and I do, eat grass-fed beef. Oh yeah, makes a big, big difference. Find out your blood type and eat accordingly. Feed yourself well and the reward will be a longer life and stronger voice. Typically, all things being normal, okay? There's always things that can arise, of course. Now, let's move on to number two. Number two is water. Water could actually come in as a tie with number one, which we'll get to in a minute, because it's that important. If you want to sing long and strong, you're going to have to drink lots of water. There's no two ways about it. And I don't mean what most people think is a lot of water. I mean a lot of water. With every breath you take, your lungs exhale moisture. And that happens even more when you're singing. Every note, every stanza, every song in the set means less moisture in your body. And less moisture means risk of vocal stress or breakdown. But the good news is how easy it is to keep that from happening. Always have plenty of water around while you're singing. Here's a rule of thumb. For every 45-minute set you sing, have at least one 16-ounce glass of water. It seems like a lot, but it's really not. Do yourself a favor. Drink the best filtered water you can afford. Stay away from tap water. Tap water all around probably the world, but certainly in America, is uh, it's just filled with chemicals. And those chemicals make it actually more difficult to quench thirst. How weird is that? You want to look for water filter that uh, filters out chlorine, chloramines, heavy metals, and fluoride, and who knows how many more, and hopefully a filter that could leave in, uh, leave in the minerals because your body does need the minerals. Uh, I personally use a uh, ProPure water filter. It's really cool, but uh, I won't go into that right now. But try to drink half your body weight in ounces of water per day. Let me give you an easy example of how to calculate that. In other words, if you weigh 100 pounds, drink 50 ounces of water a day. Water is as important to your voice as oil is to the engine of your car. An engine breaks down without oil. Your voice breaks down without water, so drink up. And finally, let's get to number one here. This is the most important part of your singing voice, and I don't want you to neglect this. It's your mind. Your voice begins in your brain. You need a clear head to think about what you're singing, how to control the diaphragm, and how to stylize notes. You've got to clearly see yourself singing the song. If you can't focus, your voice will suffer. And that can lead to negative thoughts, and, and negative thoughts can lead back to less quality singing. It's a downward spiral. But it can be avoided with plenty of sleep, deep breathing, and following the advice that I told you about in Numbers 2 and Numbers 1. Numbers 2 and Number 1. Number 2 and Number 1. Let me get that out there. Okay, now, if singing is important to you, and I bet it is, then practice your scales, sing with the radio as you're driving down the road, and go shine some karaoke parties. But don't forget or neglect 
these three parts of your singing voice that help you sing long and strong your whole life. Okay, that's Tony's singing coaching tip for the week. And who knows, maybe for the month of the year. I haven't been doing that, but I I just, um, it came up. So apparently a lot of things came up this past week. And I'm going to finish out this uh, episode with something for the kids, as a matter of fact. Have you... Have you, have you seen the Peppermint Pony? <laughs> what? The Peppermint Pony? Yeah, a few years ago, I asked readers to send me lines they thought would be good to add to a song I was going to call the Peppermint Pony. I actually didn't get a lot of responses. I got some, but the first three lines in the lyrics that I'm going to share with you um, came from contributors. And... Uh, as a matter of fact, I told people on the website tonyfunderberg.com the uh, related article. I said if you're gonna if you want to listen to this song, you'll have to subscribe to my podcast. And like I said last week, here you are. You're on the podcast, so you're about to hear this song too. Now, you know, don't get me wrong. This is not an adult song, and most of you who listen are adults. But you could play it for your kids, and I've had good uh, good responses to this. The the words say, I cast my gaze into the bright sky that slowly fades into the night sky. Stars like sparkling candy twinkle in my mind's eye. My pony's red with a white stripe. We're riding down through a snowpipe. Snowflakes flicker around me. The weather is just my type. On the peppermint pony, I can ride beyond the daylight into the twilight. On the peppermint pony, I can dream about the sweet flight into the safe night. On the peppermint pony, the peppermint pony. A lemon star is like a gumdrop. We take a bite and do a flip-flop. We find a watermelon mountain and land right on the tip-top. And then the world becomes a sweet dream, and we can slumber on a moonbeam. We fall asleep in swirls of chocolate and pure vanilla ice cream. On the peppermint pony, I can ride beyond the daylight into the twilight. On the peppermint pony, I can dream about the sweet flight into the safe night. On the peppermint pony. And here is the peppermint pony. I cast my gaze into the bright sky. That slowly fades into the night sky Stars like sparkling candy Twinkle in my mind's eye
That does it for this episode of The Truth in Words and Music, podcast episode 140. So we're up to 140, and I want to tell you again, as I say every week, your support means the world to me. It truly does. I hope you'll share the podcast and the things that I write and um, the music and all of that on TonyFunderburk.com. Tell people they can find my ebooks on Amazon.com or Smashwork smashwords.com I'd love for you if you're not already doing this to subscribe to my podcast and leave a review on there so that iTunes says wow this guy's cool we need to rank him up there and you can circle me on Google Plus follow me on Twitter watch my videos on YouTube which I'm about to upload another one from a song called Hold On and you can find me on good old Facebook And then when you're on the website, you'll see um, uh, other social media links that you could share. And sharing is caring. How about that for a rhyme, huh? 
Okay, that does it for me. This is Tony. Until next time, may God bless you and keep you.